0: Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasida from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my co host, colleague, and friend
1: Peter Bagshaw, uh, Somerset GP and CCG Clinical Lead for Mental
0: Health. And we're really pleased today to welcome psychologists Dr Lorna Stewart and Dr Rosie Novak from Somerset Foundation Trust, and we're going to discuss reflecting on Covid. So Lorna and Rosie, please could you introduce yourselves?
2: Hello everyone, my name's Rosie Novak, I'm the Principal Psychologist working with the colleague Support Service in Somerset Foundation Trust.
3: And I'm Lorna Stewart, and I'm a consultant clinical psychologist, and I also work for Somerset Foundation Trust.
0: Thank you. So our first question is really, how has it been? Here we are now in July 2021. Things kicked off in, in March 2020. It's been a long haul over 16 months. And tell us your reflections on that time, please. Well, it's
3: been completely extraordinary i think the last 16 months Um, it's brought unprecedented changes to our lives and really quite unparalleled challenges to all of our lives and in one way or another we've all been touched by covid and had to make sense of a real range of uh, situations that have been put in front of us such as the lockdowns self-isolation sickness shielding And changing, you know, our working practices, our homeschooling and for some some real family financial hardship. There's been some really big things. Rosie, how about how about your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think I've been struck by the the kind of the changes over time. And, and, you know, we, we heard a lot about. You know, in the, those early days, about the kind of challenges of donning and doffing PPE and all the kind of protective physical stuff that we, you know, the the people on the front line were using. But I guess I was thinking about how actually across that time, with so many ups and downs and changes, we've we've had to kind of go inside and find our own kind of strengths and internal resources, and and rather don and doff the psychological PPE. To, to protect ourselves emotionally as well through this really difficult
1: time. And to both of you, I found as a, a GP, in the early days, there was a sort of wartime mentality and people were getting through. And now all the mental health issues are coming out. People are absolutely exhausted. And we're also seeing the effects of the financial impact, um, in, in some cases, even domestic abuse and so on. Is that an experience that you both share?
3: yes absolutely we've we've almost t- talk about it being another wave that we've had a we've had the physical wave and then we're having an emotional and and sociological wave of of consequences and all sorts of unintended or um, unexpected consequences that i think we we weren't all thinking about at the beginning i think we were thinking this was just a physical thing but actually it's much bigger than that it's much broader than
0: that. A sort of COVID coaster um, of ups and downs, um, and what sort of things have happened, uh, Lorna, during those ups and downs? Those the feelings that what have we experienced?
3: Well, I think for a lot of us, we've had a real we we sort of call it the COVID coaster in terms of um, our emotions, particularly which have been very very up and down, and you know that it's not been a linear process for us. It's been lots of little. Um, ups and downs that have been um affected by what we might describe as sort of trigger events things that that have happened re- responding to all of the different lockdown situations and all of the different challenges so yeah our emotions have been a, a real covid coaster and we've had to hope for you know we've had uh feelings of hope when we've we've thought okay things are getting better our numbers are getting better and then at other times when our numbers are, are not getting so good and and things are progressing in a different way. Um, And we've had to cope with lots of disappointment and cancelled holidays, for example, and renewed lockdowns.
1: And another issue that we're seeing a lot of is complex grief, uh, especially in people who weren't able to see their loved ones because of COVID restrictions and and now have a a whole layer of emotions on top of the, the expected grief reactions. Is that something that you're dealing with?
2: Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, life has gone on alongside all of the challenges that COVID has brought with us. So for some people, those those um, bereavements might be COVID related, but certainly the normal stuff of life, the, the kind of the challenges and trials and tribulations of life have all continued through that time, um, but are now being made more complicated by the, the context of the, and the time in which they were happening and the impact of all those additional restrictions. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: So we've almost been rudderless at times, and although we've had the joy of, of quality time with families sometimes and, and new exciting ways of working, there's been almost all the negatives. And it's it's really been um, really been quite challenging and, and testing. I'd just like to bring Peter in at this point. Peter, how has it felt to actually have COVID?
1: It was pretty scary, to be honest, Andrew. I, I got it um, probably from my wife, who's a practice nurse, and, um, and it was right at the beginning of the first wave. So we had all sorts of things that weren't described, like severe headache, uh, GI upset, uh, all those odd things, rather than the classic symptoms that we were told, of, told about in the early days. And um, at that stage, the advice was just stay at home, basically. Um, and my oxygen levels dropped to about half what they should be. And I felt I was drowning. And, and that was a very scary few days. Uh, And then subsequently, we both had long COVID. So we've had brain fog between us. Um, I've had heart failure, and I'm on medication as a result of COVID heart failure. And I've had to cut down my eyes at work and other family members have had to give up work completely. So it's been tough. Yeah, absolutely. It's been tough. And, you know, I'm I'm a lucky one. I'm a survivor. Um, But it's certainly unlike anything I've ever been through.
0: Thank you. So Rosie, sort of uh, with with that personal context in matter, how 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 was it pre-disaster for everybody? Um, and Peter's given us a synopsis a, a sort of cameo of what actually did happen to him. But what, what sort of things were, was was everybody feeling beforehand and, and what, what, what were the concerns?
2: Well I think I think this is really, really interesting and Peter thinking about the, the timing when you were unwell. Um, being at a time when we really didn't have a lot of information and and the kind of the build-up to that that point where we sort of headed towards that first lockdown. You know, there was rising anxiety. People were witnessing, you know, through the media what was happening in other parts of the world. And, um, you know, and we were all recognising that we were going to be up against some, some quite significant challenges, but we just didn't really know what those challenges were going to be. Um, you know, we knew that we were heading towards a national lockdown, but that came in, you know, fairly gently and fairly slowly. So we had time to kind of process that that's where we were going. But but we didn't know if the NHS was going to be overwhelmed. We didn't know about what kind of um, difficult decisions and challenges that we would be asked to make, um, you know, or how many people would become unwell or you know whether we might lose loved ones or you know whether we ourselves might become seriously ill we you know kind of we didn't know necessarily what the right things to stop were and and what the right things that we needed to do more
1: of were
2: so there was such a lot of uncertainty through that time.
1: Absolutely And, and as somebody who's been a GP for a long time it was really odd that there were no experts, because this was a new disease. We thought it was flu, and I've had flu and got over that. And of course, it's, it's not like flu at all. And absolutely, my heart goes out to anyone who's had it severely and suffered the effects, because it's a very scary thing to go through feeling that you can't breathe. I don't know if you're seeing PTSD in uh, COVID survivors, are you?
3: So we're certainly seeing a real range of um, emotional responses to to some of the things that have happened. And certainly um, we, at the time when we were thinking pre-disaster, we were seeing a lot of feelings around anxiety, shock, disorientation. And for some people who have experienced covid certainly it's been very difficult for them because they've not had the set we've we've had no frame of reference to hang any of our feelings and emotions on um, and for some people that can cause quite a traumatic response um, which will be greater or lesser degrees in different people so yes absolutely we've we've seen a real range of different feelings including um, some ptsd
0: Thank you, and so the pandemic came to our shores and it, it, it impacted on us. And the first, I suppose most of us knew about it, I suppose the phony war was was in, in, in 1939 when nothing really happened, but there was evacuations. Um, but then we, had, then we had a lockdown which really hit people quite hard. And, and how has that affected? What's, what's been going on there?
3: So I think we saw um, you know, it was, it was quite a momentous day, really. It was uh, quite sombre, I think, for us. Um, I think people still held out some hope that it wouldn't happen, that we could somehow bypass the idea of a lockdown. Um, and equally, in, in equal measures, I think people were also really relieved as well because it it brought a, a sense of closure to the possibility of, of um, the virus spreading. Um, and, and it was very difficult. Um, lots of people had to um, stop working from, start working from home. They had to start homeschooling. And there were lots of things that were very dramatically changed for people all of a sudden with, with lockdown.
2: Alongside that, I thought what was really interesting, there was also some really positive um, experiences that sort of came out of that lockdown period as well. So things like the, the kind of almost heroic kind of response that people had so you know lots of, of um respect and celebration of our frontline workers and our key workers um you know thinking about that kind of honeymoon period of community spirit where everybody was volunteering and um you know supporting each other and i mean i started personally talking to neighbours I'd never spoken to before and i'm sure that that was part of what was happening just about people kind of checking in and recognizing who they were you know, could connect with when they weren't able to connect with, with other people um, perhaps that they would normally be with. Um, you know, there was a really strong sense of, of team and, and you know, everybody pushing together towards the common goal of trying to to um, reduce the virus and to protect people and to care for people, um, you know. But I think that, you know, was sort of shown in the kind of uh, Clap for Carers campaign and all of those kind of um Kind of spark moments that that were presenting themselves and some of the things that were going on on social media and 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 the ways and creative ways that people found to do things and to connect with each other.
1: And leading on from that, that's a fascinating thing to hear. I'm wondering how you can help turn what's been a negative experience for most people into something positive. So from personal experience, I now take from it that waking up each day able to breathe and, and enjoying each day uh, is, is something positive. Are you able to to help turn things around for people when they are struggling?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, the struggles have been different and many and varied and have affected people in lots of different ways. And I think my, my sense is when we've been through challenges and, and difficulties in our lives, there is often... A sense um, as people kind of come through and learn to, to live alongside those struggles and challenges of a sense of, of learning or of growth or development that can come out of that. And we often see that in the way that people will turn something really challenging in their lives into, into a driver for a motivation to, to move forward with their lives. That, that's not uncommon.
0: So we're talking there in a way about post-traumatic growth, but what we're growing from is feelings which we may have felt, such as disillusionment, anxiety, anger, sadness, negativity, pessimism, hopelessness, and helplessness. And and many of us may have all felt that at the time. Do those do those feelings come round again at times like anniversaries and in the same way as sort of we might look forward to a birthday or or something?
2: absolutely so it's really common for people when when they've experienced something really challenging we we kind of as human beings absorb all kinds of different information um, you know through all of our senses and often what happens at a time when some of that information starts to gather again we might start to to feel and experience some of those things we were experiencing when our bodies were taking in that information before so for example you know people who've experienced something around a kind of a an autumn time when there's really crisp mornings or really uh bright sunshine they might then subsequently start to to feel similarly when they start to notice those crisp mornings and bright sunshines happening again kind of the following year or you know perhaps around the the date of a of a Uh, a significant date, a calendar of somebody's death or somebody's birthday, but perhaps somebody that they've lost, that those kind of feelings might re-emerge. And sometimes you might know that that's what it's about. And sometimes it might take some thinking about, well, you know, what is it that I'm, why am I feeling this way? And then you're looking at the calendar and going, oh, that's why it was.
0: So it's as though, as though a resonant chord or a, a bell is being chimed, either with a, a name or a date or or an environmental cue such as weather or a circumstance, and that can bring a whole flood of feelings to the surface that that we're not quite sure where they come from.
2: Absolutely, and that can make it feel quite disorientating and a bit worrying for for people if they don't kind of know what's what's triggering some of those those feelings. But I think. Um, you know those those collections of thoughts or memories it's really understandable that if you're then being connected back to a point that was very distressing for you that some of those feelings might um might reawaken or, or kind of come back to the surface
0: thank you that's really helpful could I ask Lorna now um is there any sort of literature or any research that helps us to understand how we cope in disaster situations
3: Yes, absolutely. We've, there's been quite a lot of research that's happened, um, that's looked at all sorts of different disasters. So it's looked at um, war, it's looked at um, earthquakes, natural disasters, and also um, looking, we, we've certainly learned um, early on in the first wave how some people were responding to the pandemic um, over in China and Italy, who were a little bit of ahead of us in time, and um, And what we know is that um, approximately 75% of us will cope really well with the changes and stresses that the pandemic will have brought for us. Um, And and feelings of being very upset and worried is is completely normal. Um, And as time goes on, those feelings, um, staying is is very normal. And, And for those people, they don't generally need emotional support around 15 to 20% of us will struggle a little bit more um, and they might have uh, feelings of mild to moderate anxiety and some sort of persistent sleeplessness is very common for for that group of people who are struggling a little bit more. And those people might need to reach out for some support, some additional support, um, particularly from from our uh, mental health services. And around Three to four percent will struggle really quite significantly um, and they will have more significant difficulties around anxiety and depression. And for those people, they may be more vulnerable to to experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, And and for that group of people, um, I think it's very important that they are able to reach out for some
1: help and support. And what sort of help and support is available?
3: So we have a range of of help and and support. Um, So um, for the general population, um, your first line really is to make contact with your GP, or you can make a self-referral to our talking therapy services. And they are the the first point of contact um, that you can be making. There's also a whole range of um, other services that, that exist locally that people can tap into. Um, And of course, if people are feeling in urgent need of support, there are 24-7 services like the Samaritans
1: that people can reach out
3: to. um, And you are never alone.
1: And Andrew, we've gone 20 minutes without giving a plug for Mindline. Would you like (laughs) to uh, give our listeners the number that's also a 24-7 service that's available to
0: anyone who's struggling? So in Somerset, the 24-hour mind line is available as, as part of Open Mental Health as, a, as an access point. It's 01823 276 uh, engraved on my memory, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> And we'll mention the colleague support line at the end briefly, and there's a different number for that um, for the health services. But uh, but coming back to the sort of feelings that we might, might um, experience, we've mentioned some of them. And it sounds a bit complicated, really. Shouldn't it be much simpler? I think human beings are inherently complicated,
2: <laughs> and, you know, and I think there isn't a right or a wrong way to be experiencing things that you know we have experienced lots of challenges but there have been some really real kind of um golden nugget moments as well that have have people have experienced and and that the way that we experience and and make sense of what happens in our life is really informed also by our own kind of personal um specific histories and the things we've experienced in in our you know, kind of throughout our whole lives and, and you know, the lives of our, our family and, and those close to us. So um, the fact that there's a kind of a full range of really complicated emotional responses to everything that's going on, I think is is really appropriate and, and understandable.
1: I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that. And something I don't know if you're seeing, but I certainly am, is people who are actually quite comfortable during lockdown and are actually more anxious uh, about getting out in the world again, and feel guilty because of that, because they feel they should feel better. Is that is that something that you experience? And should people be worried if they feel that?
3: So we're seeing, um, as Rosie said, a really complicated um, response to to the ongoing situation um, that we're having. And for some people, um, they've been able to, to feel quite comfortable at home. Um, and like you say, that, that's been um, a reassurance for them. And that might be for a number of different reasons. It might be because they are um, people who are very self-reliant and able to to be very comfortable with themselves and um, people who are perhaps much more naturally introverted and and uh, less socially gregarious anyway. Um, and look, at p- some people who found, who might be working from home, who found... Um, the hubbub of the office quite um, distracting. I think for those people, they found being able to have peace and quiet at home to work has been really reassuring. And of course, there's complicated feelings about um, being able to re-engage with the world, that um, we're going to be living with COVID, living alongside COVID as an infection uh, as a as a virus and that that can bring its sense of a real uncertainty ongoing and i think for those people that is a bit of a struggle
0: of course in summer in somerset we're so lucky to have nature to actually help support us as well but it it, it has been pretty difficult mm. times so any particular feelings that we may have been coming across is is there research telling us what what sort of feelings people have been, been having? We know that there will have been stress and distress, and and um, Peter mentioned asked about what uh, what uh, what's happening as we come out of lockdown. But what sort of things does the research research show us? So I, I
2: think it's. Um... You know, we know that from um since restrictions have started that, you know, approximately sixty-five percent of us have been feeling more stressed than usual, um, half of us have been feeling more anxious than usual, and um, you know, around about 40% of us might have been feeling experiencing more low mood than usual. Um, but I think it you know, a lot of people have also been experiencing very mixed feelings. So whilst there might be some excitement about being able to re-engage with wider life again, alongside that might come you know fears about spreading the virus new variants and you know inadvertently when you meet with loved ones putting them at risk for example um you know we, we might all really want to to engage with going out to the pub or going on holiday or going to the gym or um socializing much more but you know are we then also kind of having to wonder about is this safe is this responsible is it sensible um you know and and do we feel safe coming back out into the world again and I think that that's really challenging and, and for some people there may also be feelings of, of you know feeling guilty perhaps because for whatever reason they've not been able to adhere to the restrictions up to now um you know and and so the, there's so many different nuanced um ways in which people may have been experiencing all of the restrictions
0: we've we've talked on previous episodes about uh, about the phases of loss and change and also the the parasympathetic freeze that people can go into and then the sympathetic uh, fight and flight mechanisms and i'm sure we're seeing all these um, biologically, uh, and perhaps we need another episode to talk about those from the psychologist's point of view. But in our last last few minutes, I wonder: have you got any top tips for us to help us on the way forwards as we move on this on this rather bumpy road and hopeful road in many ways? But as you say, sometimes sometimes less less clear picture. It's not a clear single picture. So any any top tips that might help us?
3: So we often refer to. Uh... The way that we can coexist alongside a difficult situation is sort of living well on the bumpy road of life and and having having that analogy of of the the road of life can be quite helpful you know it might have ups and downs and twists and turns and different paths that we can take and the the road surface quality might be slightly different at different times it might be very very bumpy and we might hit a pothole and we might need to make a pit stop and change a tyre so I think having that that analogy of of life uh, moving along a road can be really helpful for us. Um, And in terms of some some top tips, um, I'll make a start and then hand over to Rosie with some more. But um, I think the first most important thing is to be really kind to yourself. Um, And, you know, some of us are better at dealing with anxiety than other people. um, And that's Okay. Um, don't beat yourself up if your tolerance for unpredictability is lower than a friend's for example Um, and try really hard not to say unkind or critical things to yourself and only say the sorts of things to yourself that you would be wanting to say to a friend um, and treat yourself with the same kindness that that you would be treating your friends. I think the another thing might be to really reflect on past successes so it's highly likely that you will have become, overcome other bumps in the road in the past. You will have probably had to change that tyre more than once in your life already. Um, and you have survived them. You've managed to change the tyre and you've refitted a new one and you've been okay. So give yourself some credit for your past successes and draw on the great things that you've done to get through the bumps in the road. Rosie, have you got any knee?
2: so yeah, i think um it's also about managing what what you use your kind of uh, emotional resources for as well so it's things like you know what where do you put your attention try and limit the the amount of news watching that you do and don't follow every kind of twist and turn of of you know what's happening because we are bombarded by messages from the media about Everything these days, there's no escape. So, I think really being mindful about how much time you spend absorbing those kind of messages can be really helpful. And, you know, and thinking about what things in your life can you control. One of the reasons home feels like often feels like a safe space for people is because it's the place where we have the most control over our environment. So, thinking about what you can control within your life and spending time thinking about that rather than focusing on the things that you don't have any control over can be really, really helpful in terms of. of Um, kind of managing the impact Um, and also taking your own advice you know if you would tell your friend to do something in a certain way try it for yourself and and you know see if it works Um, you might surprise yourself in in terms of your own wisdoms.
1: I think those are some really useful tips and a lot of us will recognise that we spend an awful lot of, uh, of effort, use, useless effort, on worrying about things that we can't control. So your advice to uh, focus on things we can control is is particularly important. And if there's one thing that I think we should take away from the pandemic, it was your first point about kindness. We all need to be kinder to each other and to ourselves, don't
0: we?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Laura. Any more in the list of tips that you'd like to add to what Peter just said? Which is control what you can. Um, self care is so important, isn't it?
3: Absolutely, and you know the the kindness to others and to ourselves um, includes being able to um, engage in some self care. So um, you know, try try not to let the potholes in the road of life cause you to have too many punctures. Um, and, you know, we all have to do a bit of a tyre check once in a while, make sure we've got enough tread on the tyres um, to keep going on that bumpy road. So self-care can be really, really
0: important. Thank you. Any last points that um, we should we should be thinking about in our last few few moments that you th- would like to draw attention to? It's just been I, I think we could go on for another half hour, but unfortunately, we don't have time for that. And our listeners will have something else to go to, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, what, what other key points would you like to share?
3: So I think the, the the final and most important thing really is about asking for help
0: and seeking support
3: from the people that you trust. It's OK to reach out. Um, and, you know, if you're having difficulty managing that bumpy road of life, it's OK to take care of yourself. Um, it's OK to stop and check the tyres and make sure they're all right. Um, to put some oil in the tank and refill your water washer bottle. It's it's OK to do all of that. And it's also OK to recognise when um, you're, you know the engine is too complicated to fix and you need to go and call into the garage and get some support it, it's okay to do all of those things
0: thank you very much rosie anything you'd like to say any last point
3: i had it was just adding on
2: to that point Nona, that um that you were making but also it, it's impossible for us to pull over and help someone else who's broken down if our car isn't working properly or if, if our road is kind of got too many cracks in it so there's something really important for us about if we want to be able to help the other people that are important in our lives it's also really important to be looking after ourselves too
0: and so we need to know what nourishes us and the five ways to well-being connect give learn take time out in nature exercise nourish your food nourish ourselves with food sleep those are just so so important all of those that's just great Um, I think we need to ask you to come again at some point because you've got got such a fountain of wisdom and knowledge. So thank you very much indeed from both of us today and on behalf of all our listeners. Um, Go well and thank you and keep up all the great work. And thank you both for some really
1: powerful messages and something that I hope we can take with us uh, as we carry on on our bumpy road of life. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.